Welcome to Premium Cashflow Real Estate Investing Podcast with Sakar Kali. During this program, you will hear guest experts sharing their experiences, best practices, and market insights. We discuss investing in multifamily apartment complexes and how a busy professional can passively invest hassle-free in various opportunities. Your host, Sakar Kali, owns millions of dollars of assets and has done thousands of value-add projects over 20 years now. So listen in for insights. Here's your host, Sakar Kali. Welcome to another edition of Premium Cashflow Podcast. Today, I'm delighted to welcome Jerome Myers uh, to the show. Uh, Jerome is with Myers Development Company. His company focuses on buying distress uh, workforce housing and renovating them and doing the value add. Uh, he has done multiple deals today. He manages uh, just about 90 units and also 90,000 square feet of workforce housing in North Carolina and Virginia. So with that, uh, Jerome, welcome to the show. I appreciate you taking time today. I'm so glad to be here. I know the hurricane messed us up a couple of weeks back, but we're here sure. with this thing done. Absolutely, absolutely. So for listeners, Jerome, uh, give us some background as to how you got started and how you kind of came into the multifamily arena. Oh man, I'm a corporate America dropout at this finest, right? I built a $20 million division for Fortune 550. Uh, we were taking overhead power lines, putting them on the ground. I was employee number two. Mm-hmm. By August or September, we had about 175 employees on the team. End of the year, revenue was $20 million. We had about 30% profit margin. My reward for growing so aggressively was laying half the workforce off. Oh, boy. (laughs) Christmas and New Year's, uh, putting back together Humpty Dumpty, figuring out who was going to stay, who was going to go. Promised myself I'd never do it again. I didn't eat for a few days. Fast forward to November, Mm. right before Thanksgiving, we're doing the exact same thing again. I said, I'm not going to do that anymore. And so I thought back to a conversation I had with one of my friends in college. We were sitting Mm. on and we did what engineering students do, right? We were doing math. Sure. Mm-hmm. Paying $3.95. I had two roommates paying $3.95. He had the same thing going on downstairs. And so we started doing some math and we found out that the owner of the property was making $700,000 top line. Sure. We seen him. We never talked to him. Mm-hmm. And are like, I could live off of that. I mean, I don't sure. think in <laughs> that, right? And so we, but we didn't know how to do it. I'm the son sure. of a you're going to stay at home mom. So we didn't have those discussions about building a business and making big revenue so that, you know, you can make some profit and live off of it. Mm-hmm. And so I went back to that conversation after doing all that soul searching, right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. said, all right, this is what I want to do. And so I started knocking on the doors of banks. Interesting. And, mm-hmm. and there was 10 of them. They said, no. I was mm-hmm. like, what do you mean? Like, what do you, you don't want to give me a million dollars to buy this property? It's like, you don't have any experience. It's like, mm-hmm. I got a PA, I got an engineering license. I got all mm-hmm. the stuff that corporate America says you need. And like, that doesn't matter. Right, right, right. It's so like, they, they really were, were wanting your sort of the real estate experience, what you have done on the street and things like that. So how, how did you kind of then end up with your multifamily buildings? Like, how did that come about? Was that some partnership or you got some distressed deal via bank? How did that come about? Uh, 
and at, at and had a similar business plan. Mm-hmm. So I've seen the stoop of one of my fix and flip houses and the guy pulls up. He said, let me check out the finishes. And when I bring it full circle, he invited me into a deal with him. Right. And so we bought a 23 unit in Richmond, Virginia for a little over a million dollars, executed a huge renovation budget and my that property and the banks that went and talked to me before started reaching out. Nice. And that's how I was able to start doing my own loans. Awesome. Awesome. And knowing your story, Jerome, I know that uh, you are big on doing the joint venture partnerships and uh, you know you uh, you haven't uh, or i guess uh, you are not a big fan of traditional uh, you know the syndication route as we call it right can you maybe share your thoughts on how you kind of go about your deals yeah I, so it's very similar to the way that i got into the first one right it's mm-hmm. part with people that i've known for a long time mm-hmm. and putting everybody being active the deal and having some roles and responsibilities and bringing some cash so that we can take down the deal and own more of it. Right. Sure. And mm-hmm. counter to what a lot of people are doing these days. And so. Sure. Sure. Now, what is your thought process behind uh, kind of taking these deals down? It's like, how do you look at, I mean, typically I know you're looking at, let's say the C-class property, as we call it, the workforce housing and things like that. Uh, could you maybe give us sort of a mindset around why you are so passionate about the workforce housing space and also uh, you know is is there any sort of a uh, ulterior or a uh, sort of a socialistic view you take on these things that these things need uh, you know improvement whether it's dilapidated neighborhoods or uh, you know struggling youths and things like that can you maybe uh, share your angle around just the socialism aspect of these things as well yeah, so you're asking me one where I can get on my soapbox and talk for hours, right? <laughs> Long and short of it is we want to serve firefighters, police officers, teachers, those folks that make the world go round, right? Sure. Mm-hmm. They deserve a, a nice place to live. And regardless of what impact they make, the fact mm-hmm. of the matter is they don't get a ton of compensation. Sure. And so we want to provide those units that are affordable in the workforce housing, not the people so per se on assistance, but mm-hmm. those who go to work every day, nice blue collar jobs, and they go out and make the world a better place. And what you see in the space is there's a whole lot of new construction and it's uber expensive. Sure. And then there's a lot of dilapidated stuff that mm-hmm. people who are going to work every day probably don't actually want to live in. And maybe sure. the don't go to work every day want to live in it either but you know that's just kind of the fact of the matter and so we like to take those things that aren't in great shape fix them up renovate Mm -hmm. them and then give that person something that is really what we consider nice but Mm -hmm. nicer on a budget right sure sure you know we don't have any programs or anything like that but Mm -hmm. we're really interested in just having safe clean suitable places for people who to go live i mean Mm -hmm. the highest priority for us is we want people to really enjoy their home. Sure, sure. Now, from a, uh, you know, sort of from a partnership uh, perspective and looking at the deals, Jerome, like, are there any basics that our viewers should know about 
um, what makes sense during a joint venture partnership perhaps versus a syndication? Can you maybe give your thought process as to when someone should consider a joint ventureship uh, versus a syndication? What would be some of the elementary things you look at uh, some of these deals? Yeah, so I think the price of the deal, the overall buy price is one of the first things to consider. Mm -hmm. If you don't have something that's probably over two and a half to three million dollars, mm -hmm. it's extremely difficult to afford all the fees that go with putting together a private placement memorandum and the other things that go into actually doing a syndication. I like to pick with people who do syndication and say, yeah, a joint venture is better than a JV. And it's like, well, what do you mean? Did you make a mistake? And no, like a syndication is a joint venture. It's mm -hmm. just GP. The GP is a joint venture portion of it, right? Sure. Mm -hmm. Partners who are just putting their money in, which is what makes it a syndication. But, you know, I think all of the stuff that you learn in joint venture partnership mm -hmm. is applicable to the syndication space. The sure. only thing add in is the investors. And so, you know, the price point is one thing. I think the other thing is, you know, how many people, what capacity do they have? Sure. If, hmm. if you're doing a deal, let's call it a million dollars and you need to bring 250000 in order to get the deal done. If your partners can't bring that 250000 then you probably can't do a joint venture because you need the additional capital to get the deal closed. And so you got to figure that out. And so what I tell people to do is just kind of start where you are. And mm -hmm. a lot of people want to just go and catch Moby Dick, right? They want to go <laughs> unit property and they're ill-suited to run it, but they think sure. that's the way to go. And I tell people, get some tuna in the boat, guys, right? Sure. Mm -hmm. go choose some, I, I don't really say do the single family thing because you're still in the residential loans. I sure. know you have a ton of success in that space and sure. people can make it work. But what I say is go get a smaller commercial loan so that you're playing in a commercial loan space, right? Sure, so sure five or you need to do a 10 or a 20 do something in that space get that deal closed that way when you talk to that broker you can say hey i've got a deal you know we closed it we're executing our business plan and we're looking to grow and sure. really compelling story and the other thing i think is that you should have some form of track record before mm -hmm. you people to put their money in the deal right and so sure. mm -hmm. just raw first syndication put your money in the deal we don't know if you actually like it. And if I keep with the ocean and the deep sea uh, alliteration or metaphor, mm -hmm. you might get seasick while you're out there, right? Trying to sure. catch it. And you, know, you may not be able to complete it. And that's the last thing I want, right? I don't sure. want their money and deals with operators who aren't gonna perform because then it makes harder for people like you and me who know what we're doing, enjoy the space and, plan on doing this for the rest of our careers. And, you know, we don't want those people to get scared off because somebody got seasick. Sure, sure, sure. And, and on the same token, uh, Jerome, you, you know, as we, you know, all the time kind of talk about this scenario uh, of, you know, let's say newbies getting started and perhaps not having enough experience and maybe coming into multifamily. Uh, I know you have your own views and I have shared some of my opinions as well many times. And, and we echo that sentiment. Can you maybe kind of talk about uh, some of oh, things that you see currently that's going on and it kind of 
ties into perhaps the high price coaching programs also sometimes that you see and kind of get steered into perhaps a, not a wrong direction, I should say, but perhaps a dangerous path that someone who's not equipped perhaps get into it and realize that it's way too bigger and complex and they are not suited for that. Uh, can you maybe uh, kind of share what are your thoughts around this? Yeah, I mean, just at the lowest level, right? Mm -hmm. If something happens at the property and somebody needs to write a check for it mm -hmm. and you're the owner of the property and you can't write the check to fix it, what are you going to do? <laughs> and I think people play this game where it's like, oh, you can do it with no experience, no cash, no credit, no nothing, and you're going to buy a multi-million dollar asset. Right. Yeah. But somebody does have to have that. And I mean, you, you, you've you amassed a really large portfolio, right? And I assume that people reach out to you regularly say, are you interested in investing in my deal? Sure. And mm -hmm. if they don't have a track record, I'm sure your answer is no every single time. And it's because you know what it took for you to do what you've done. Sure. And you mm -hmm. want them to have the same capacity to do it on the thing that they're working on. Sure. It's a fact that something's going to go wrong while you're in your deal and you're going to have to write a check to fix something. Sure. Now, sure. If you budget it all in great, but of all the operators that I've talked to, I don't think any of them have been able to say I've always had enough money and never had to do fix anything after we close the deal. Sure. And mm -hmm. for that simple fact right there, I say, this is not a poor man's game, right? You're, when you have those zeros on the back end, you're adding them when it comes to the maintenance and the operations. And if you can't fix it, you can get in trouble really quickly and lose a whole lot of people's money. And so that's just the foundation. I can go to a bunch of different levels, but I mean, for me, that's foundational because I think people want to skip that uncomfortable truth. Sure, sure, sure. I, I, I agree with you. And as you rightfully pointed out, Jerome, is that few little things multiplied by so many units can really sort of bring the disaster so quick that you don't even realize. And I think another element that I always like to also kind of highlight uh, just on, the, on an operational level is that without experience, I think you have no way of knowing that whether the ship is going southward or, you know, what's happening and the change of direction and what things you have to do to kind of be that proactive person and, you know, sort of steer the ship in the right direction, so to speak, uh, because you have no basis to act off of. Would you agree to that? Absolutely. I call it flying without instruments, right? You think about an sure. airplane. A lot of times a pilot can't see, but they know how to read those instruments in the cockpit. Sure. If you've never flown a plane before, you get up there and it's all going to be Greek. And, you know, you might need to pull up before you bury the nose of the plane in the ground and kill everybody, right? Like being dramatic, <laughs> but I mean, that's the reality of the situation. Sure. sure. And when things start going the wrong way, it can get really bad really quick and you don't even sure. know. Sure, sure. And on the same token, I think dealing with accounting, so many tenant issues that come up, you are obviously managing the property management company as well. These are all thorny issues that I think you definitely need experience with. It's it's not about, uh, hey, just a high, high paid coaching program that you can join and you can suddenly 
purchase the answers or just borrow the experience and things like that. I cannot tell you enough times that I kind of get into conversations with uh, sort of relatively new students uh, from these coaching programs and they'll say, hey, I have a call with the property management company. Can you maybe tell me like what are a few things I should ask uh, so that I don't look like a newbie? Well, the question, and, and, and that's where it gets interesting is that you really need experience in these things that it doesn't matter how smart you look or how great you sound, but once the deal closes, you are, you are the man, you are the pilot, you are the sailor, uh, you're driving the uh, ship. Would you agree, uh, Jerome? Without question. And I tell them, go ask your coach because you just wrote a five-figure check for this person to do those things for you. And those things are the things that start to irritate me, right? Because you're writing these most, a lot of people are writing these big checks. They're not getting the support they need actually, to actually be successful. And it's like, why are we preying on the people who don't know any better? I really want to see people get deals done. I want people to have all the dreams that they have. But I also want people to be very honest with them about what they're trying to do, because I think it is extremely difficult. And we disrespect the people who are establishing long and deep track records by minimizing it to something that just anybody can do for the sake of selling them some education. Sure, sure. I, I agree with you. And, and speaking of, you know, all the COVID impacts on the portfolios and things like that, Jerome, what, what are some of the steps you took to kind of, uh, you, you know, like safeguard yourself and like keep the occupancy up and things like that? What has been your experiences throughout this uh, COVID pandemic? Yeah, I mean, in the, in the beginning, we reached out to everybody and let them know, hey, we're here. If you're impacted, let us know. Mm -hmm. Let us know doesn't mean just send us a text. Like, no, show us what happened. You sure. go to the doctor, you get sick, you can't work. Like, show us doctor knows you get laid off. Let us know that you got laid off. But in addition to that, we want you to do everything that you're responsible for doing. File for unemployment. Go to these different agencies that are willing to cover you for your rent because you can't work. Mm -hmm. Et cetera, et cetera, right? Just to make sure that they knew what resources were available to them and that we expected them to hold up to their end of the bargain because they did sign a contract with us. Sure. At least I mean, it's a contract. And then, you know, we just monitor and we follow up and we have phone calls. And for the people who are impacted that didn't get assistance or something else, you know, we came up with payment plans. We sure. worked with them and we just asked them to keep their promise. You promise to pay on this day, pay on this day, and then things go fine. But there were people who tried to take advantage of it as well. And so we have to protect ourselves in that way, too. And so sure. you know, those folks are getting evicted or have been evicted. And we continue to work through that process as the courts open back up and they start executing the writs of possession and mm -hmm. back over or getting possession of our property so that we can rent them to folks who are excited to make that trade of cash for the place to live and you know that's what we've really been doing and then monitoring you know our collections and seeing our delinquency because it has went up we've had more delinquency over it and you know just watching it and being pretty strategic and thinking about what the uh, residents track record was prior to right sure. some paid their month their rent on time before COVID happened and then they got laid off, of course we're more compassionate with those folks because they did what they could and they were adversely impacted by something outside of their control. But for those people who didn't, we don't have as much compassion because they weren't doing what they were supposed to ahead of time. And I think that's just a great lesson in general. When sure. you 
care of your obligations, uh, you have the opportunity to have some grace extended to you when things outside of your control happen. I agree with you. And on to the next topic, Jerome, that you're always, uh, you know, sort of professing that, you know, do the right thing, whether that's your tenants, your contractors, how you're kind of doing your deals and things like that. And you have taken that uh, sort of the next step where I think you try to coach people the right way. Uh, you're obviously hosting your social media, your conferences and things like that. You have your own podcast as well. Can you kind of share your passion around this topic as to all these different methods that you have chosen and give voice to and educate people. Can you share some of your thoughts around, um, you know, how you're kind of spreading this message using different mediums that you have? Yeah, I, I really appreciate the opportunity to go down this path because it's one that most people don't want to go down because um, the majority of the thought leaders have something to sell, right? And sure. Mm -hmm. isn't helping that narrative. Sure. I want to get what they need in order to go do a deal. I don't want anything else from them. And so if they can get that done and they can make a decision eyes wide open before they get too deep into the financial commitment, mm -hmm. then I think they're in a great place to actually make a business decision. It's very much like going to college, right? Sure. 17 and 18 year olds, they want to study basket weaving. So they go to Harvard and pay $70,000 a year. Now they've got, I can't even count that high in student debt and got a job that pays dirt because they study basket weaving. Like, I don't want people to do the same thing in multifamily, pay for this education, realize that they don't actually have what it takes to do a deal. And so at best, they become a passive investor. And so they don't ever really have the opportunity to make that money back that they invested in that education to be an operator. The other thing that I found out was really important is there's a lot of people around the space trying to figure out what it is and how it works. Mm -hmm. And they have examples of people that look like them mm -hmm. doing it. So they don't even know if they can. And so having diverse podcast hosts like you share your platform with diverse podcast guests like me. Sure. Is essential. And that's part of the reason why we started the Mid-Atlantic Multifamily Investing Conference, because I was going to conferences around the country and nobody on stage looked like me. And that bothered me. And sure. so I mm -hmm. went to more diverse people to the stage who weren't on everybody's stage with the goal of giving people who don't traditionally um, see those folks on stage with a microphone, the opportunity to see them. And Absolutely. It's really, really, really important because you don't have a ton of examples. I still don't have a ton of examples, but the examples that are there, I want to put them on a pedestal so everybody can get opportunity to see them. Uh, I agree with you. And I think there's a whole element of honesty, integrity, sometimes that seems to be missing. It's, it's, it's all about the sexism of how many units someone bought and, you know, how great of a deal that is, the returns, the IRR. You see all of that. But what kind of gets thrown under the rug is that perhaps, hey, how many, how much time did it took for them? What was the experience level of all of this? You know, like, let, let's get to the reality of these things is what I think I like to always say is that the, the track record, how much of the deal was, you know, sort of successful in general, not just like just the driven by the market, you know, and, and those things, would you agree to that, uh, Jerome? Without question, I, I can put $25,000 in a 200 unit syndication and tell you I got 200 doors. That sounds super sexy, but 
it doesn't really mean anything in the grand scheme of things. And I think it's really smoke and mirrors. Awesome. Awesome. So share with the listeners, Jerome, as to how they can find you and learn more about your company and various things that you have going on. Yeah. So I think the best way for folks to find me is jeromemyers.co. Mm-hmm. And you can find everything that we're doing from a coaching standpoint. You can also find out about all of our operations and multifamily investing. And for anybody who's interested in a, a conference where you see speakers that you wouldn't traditionally see, we got the Mid-Atlantic Multifamily Investing Conference happening March 19th through the 21st. And you can hit the link on that webpage and it will take you there and you can get some early bird tickets. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you for coming on, Jerome, uh, sharing your words. Uh, It's always that diversity and the originality of thought that I like and love to have guests like you. Uh, For viewers and listeners, head on to premiumcashflow.com. We have great guests like Jerome uh, who are sharing their deep experience and sort of the original content. Uh, Like most of the episodes are pretty much, uh, you know, non-timed. There some can be 40 minutes, some can be 50 minutes. They really have no no agenda other than kind of helping you, serving you the original content and seeing the experience of the uh, folks who have done these things for decades and decades. So uh, it's been a pleasure, Jerome. Thank you for coming on. Uh, I wish you best luck. And I think we'll be talking soon on another episode as well. So thank you for coming on. Absolutely. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Thanks for listening to Premium Cashflow Real Estate Investing Podcast. Please join us at premiumcashflow.com to sign up for weekly updates, research articles, and more. We will see you again for another great interview with an expert guest.